there. Welcome to the Simon Tumier podcast. Today I'm with the fabulous Shetland fiddler, Kevin Henderson. If you enjoy these podcasts, why don't you support my patron at patreon.com forward slash Simon Tumier. Kevin Henderson lives in Norway, so today I am talking to him over Skype. It sounds like a Skype call, but you can hear everything and it's really interesting. Today I'm with Shetland fiddler, Kevin Henderson, who has just released an album with Neil Perelman. Hi, Kev. Hello, Simon. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Tell us about this brand new album. Yeah, um, I met Neil Perelman, who's a fantastic piano player. He comes from Maine in the USA, and I met him when I was invited over to teach at Alistair Fraser's Sierra Fiddle Camp in, let me see now, that must be uh, 2017, I think. I think it was and I was I was really drawn to his piano playing and we basically just met a few times over the next year or so at other camps and things that I was invited to in the states and we had a lot of just informal tunes and we really loved each other's music and sort of styles and we had the idea to maybe try and organise a tour together because we both had a bit of downtime. It was in January last year and we just exchanged ideas over the internet. Then we headed off on tour and we got an album eventually out of that. What's it called? It's called Burden Lake. And uh, Burden Lake is a place up in New York State near Albany. And during that tour, I just mentioned we had three days off in the middle and we decided to go and have a music making time during that free period and we kind of just took a chance on this place and we we really lucked out it was like an amazingly like so inspiring the beautiful nature and it was like a really hard deep freeze at the time so the lake was completely frozen and we were out on the lake basically every day and we also did some filming. There was a filmmaker came up and it was just hugely inspiring. So I, I would say the bulk of the album was kind of made during that three days. We thought we'd sort of dedicate the album to Burden Lake. And where can you buy it? We have it available on our website at the moment. It's kevinandneil.com. And it's also available as a download on our Bandcamp page, which is kevinandneil.bandcamp.com. Fantastic. So going back to the beginning, you were uh, brought up in, in Shetland and uh, you learned uh, fiddle at the school. Yeah. Um, to start, we actually went for private lessons with uh, Trevor Hunter, who was a fantastic fiddle player. And it was my two uncles was actually going for private lessons every Saturday. With him, and I wanted to tag along, I kind of got into it because my, my grandfather was a, a huge fan of fiddle music, and that's what kind of got me hooked. And when they were going to this lessons, I wanted to tag along. So I went to Trevor privately for, I don't know what it was, 19 months maybe? And he was, he was actually that busy, so I wasn't getting a lesson every week. It was maybe once every two or three weeks. So I was kind of losing a bit of focus on it and then the chance to go with Willie Hunter in the schools came up and so I went for that and that was like I don't know what what else to say it was just utterly amazing hugely inspiring teacher and I just loved going to fiddle lessons with him and I used to get two 
lessons a week, like on a Wednesday night, if I remember right, and also on a Saturday afternoon. And on the, the Saturday afternoon, we basically hardly played a note. We just spoke about life and drank coffee. And I used to think it was cool because we went to the teacher staff room and he would hand out chocolate biscuits to me. And I thought that was so cool, just getting to steal the teacher's <laughs> biscuits. <laughs> and I thought, this guy is cool. <laughs> and I like I remember one time I got in this playground scrap and I hurt my hand and he spent the entire lesson teaching me how to box. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of he was like a hugely inspiring man. I I I just loved going to fiddle with him. And so uh, obviously you're a, a fiddler's bid player, and but you went to uh, school with the musicians in that band, Chris Stout, Andrew Gifford, Morris Henderson, and uh, were they all going to Willie Hunter as well? No, actually, the original fiddler's bid lineup was like Chris Stout. He actually went to Arthur Scott Robertson and Morris Henderson and Michael Ferry was studying with Trevor Hunter through the school system at that time. Trevor was also teaching in the school at that point. And then Davy Keith, he went to Willie Hunter. So that was the original line, original lineup was Davy Keith, who also played piano. He played mostly piano with Fiddler's Bid, and then Michael Ferry, Morris Henderson, Chris Stout, and myself. So it was it was just me and Davy Keith that was going to Willie Hunter at that time, and Morris and Michael at Trevor Hunter. And Chris was going for private lessons with Arthur Scott Robertson, and Chris also did classical music at that time. But we, we used to spend most lunch times and whatever free periods we had having tunes. So it was a great... A great time. We used to actually skive some lessons. We used to say we had fiddle lessons and we used to go and play tunes together. So it was an interesting school time. <laughs> what what age were you at that time? Chris and myself was 14 and Morris, Michael and David, they were two years older than us. And uh, yeah, it's a lifetime ago. <laughs> yeah, because of course Fiddler's Bed is nearly 30 years old now. I know, it's a, a scary thought. 30 years ago nearly we started playing music together. Fantastic, that's, that's amazing. And then, uh, so you, you obviously just uh, loved it, you obviously had inspirational teachers between the lot of you, but I mean it's amazing to think that uh, that you just at that age were loving it so much. Yeah, I mean we were, we were really lucky in Shetland that we had that chance to learn fiddle through the school system, and it was free. And I mean Shetland's obviously had a, a huge fiddle tradition, but I mean it nearly died out the early nineteen hundreds. And I mean Tom Anderson kind of made it his mission to get get it revived and he eventually got it as part of the school system in the mid-70s. So, I mean, we've been really lucky in Shetland in that respect. Yeah, so at what point was it you decided that you were going to be a musician for your living? Well, it's something I'd never actually, never considered doing music full-time and we were just, I mean, we were playing all the time 
weekends, nights, just having tunes at folks' houses, and then we got old enough to go to the lounge and all that. And I, I wasn't really a big fan of school, and I started doing my hires, and I was like, I, I just don't know what I want to do with my life. And I had the chance, I went and work experience a few years previously to an electrical installation firm. And I actually really enjoyed that work. And I thought, I quite fancy just going to serve an apprenticeship as an electrician. So I actually did that. That was going to be my career path. And I did that, served my time, worked for a few years, and then I actually started working on my own with my uncle. He was also an electrician. So we kind of had our own own company. And then one year I got asked to come and record on Boys of the Loch's new album, Lonesome Blues and Dancing Shoes, it was called. And that was in, I think it was November, if I remember right, 2001, because Ali had left at that point and they were looking for somebody to play fiddle on it and I mean I was good pals with Malcolm Stitt and he suggested me to Dave and Cahill and the guys and I remember I had to go and I had to go and do an interview basically an audition at Dave's house in Edinburgh and I was so nervous <laughs> and uh played they wanted me to just play a few tunes and we played together and then thankfully it went well and they asked me to play in the album and also if I was available to do this tour in the States in March 2002. And that was just an incredible experience for me to go. I mean, I'd been away playing at festivals and stuff, but to go and do a tour like that, we, I mean, they were musical heroes of mine. I mean, Ali being, everybody in Shetland, Ali's a hero, basically. And uh, to go away and do, like, it was a month, if I remember right, touring around the, the States was an incredible experience. And after that, they asked if I'd be interested in joining full-time. So that was when I made the decision to start doing music full-time. So the Fiddler's Bid were still, were obviously going strong at that point. Uh... Yeah, we were doing, like, we were, like, touring in the UK and did quite a lot of festivals around Europe, all the big big ones like Tuna and Kaustenen and Fallon in Sweden and all the big ones in, in the UK like Celtic Connections and Cambridge. And so we were still very active with Fiddler's Bid, but Fiddler's Bid has never been a band that's toured a lot because some of the, the folk in it work full-time, they don't do music full-time. So we, it's always been a band that uh, like we, we just do what we want to do, basically. And uh, I think that's what has kept kept the band together in some way because it's always it's always good fun when we meet up because when we're all we've all grown up together at school pals and it's always exciting when we get together it's kind of like a school trip (laughs) (laughs) tell me about session a9 yeah session a9 is a band that i first got involved with in i think it was 2003 if my memory serves me correctly. Um, it, uh, it, was, yeah, it was the Orkney Folk Festival. Session 9 was booked to do the Orkney Folk Festival and Duncan Chisholm couldn't do it. So they asked if I could stand in for him. And of course I was like really excited to be, to be asked and to go and play with some of my fiddle heroes. Like 
Charlie McKernan and Gordon Gordon and Adam Sutherland. And also, I was very pally with Chris Drever at that point as well. And getting the chance to meet Tim Meady and Brian McAlpine. And just that I was really excited to be to be asked to go and do that. So we went to Orkney and had a great time. And Session 9 has been this band that's, this musicians that's busy in many projects. So it's not all, or it wasn't always at the time that the whole band was available. So they asked if I was up for being like a, a regular dep in the band. And I said, of course. And then it got to the point, Duncan was just too busy and I got involved on a more permanent basis. And I just love playing with Session in Nine as well. It's a different style of music again for me. And I think that's, I think that's important as a musician, just to have many different things, just to keep yourself fresh and not doing the same thing all the time. And uh, and you've reco- you recorded three albums with them, is that correct? I think so. <laughs> Hard to remember. <laughs> yeah, there was Bottlenecks and Armbreakers, and there was, that was also... A, that was the second one. Yeah, and then we had... I can't remember if it was the live album we had after that and then we had another one and then we also made like a DV that had a DVD sorry that had a live CD with it so that was four and we're actually we're working on a new album at the moment and uh, hopefully that will be ready to be recorded very soon. Yeah, because when you performed at the MJ Alba Scots Trad Music Awards, there you finished off the night, and it was just amazing. You had everybody on their feet dancing. It was a great night, that, and uh, it's just it's a great fun band to be involved in. Great folk. And now that you uh, live in Norway uh, with your wife and and two children, how how did you? Where did you meet your wife? Well, I actually met her in Sweden. In, at a folk music camp called Ethno, and it's for young people from all over the world, and I'd never heard of it. And I got asked if I was interested by a man called Joran Berg, who was working for an organisation called Music Invest in the sort of Gothenburg area. And he was actually taking me out to Sweden to tour for a few years with Kev McKenzie and Jenna Reed, We used to do a tour there every summer, and it was really great. And then he asked me if I was interested to come and work as an artistic leader because he was doing that at Ethno. And like I said, I had never heard of it, and I thought, why not? I'm going to experience something new. And it was basically it was about 20 different countries, and the, the concept is that this, the participants teach each other the music from, I mean, there's like India, the Balkan region, Sweden, Scotland, America. It was a whole like diverse range of music, folk music. I got to experience music that I had never heard before and also music that I maybe thought I wasn't really into. And just hearing that music up close and personal and learning it in that way that I had never done before. It's like a pile of folk in a room together just exchanging different music cultures and I was blown away by it and and I mean instruments I had never heard of before. I came I came away from that we just open to so much more musically and I had had an urge to go and learn more about different music 
ideas and things. And I was really thankful that I got the chance to work on that. I met Annika, my partner there. She was working there the same year. And uh, it's just one of those things <laughs> that happened. And uh, I have ended up moving to Norway and having a family. Uh, and was that a big decision? Yeah, I mean, it was a very big decision, like a life-changing decision. Um, so it was, it was a quite a, a chaotic and turbulent summer, just with emotions and everything. And uh, I mean, I just decided. Uh, I mean, at the time, I was I was touring a lot, and I was thinking it didn't really matter where I was based. And just made the decision to try and make it work. And like I was coming and going, basically being based in Norway without being like officially living here. And I mean, it's it's difficult. It was difficult making decision to leave everything I I knew and all my friends and family and that sort of thing. But uh, that's life, I suppose. It's just tough to make decisions and go for it and try it and if it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You just have to do something else. I mean, it's amazing because actually through that, you've got this brand new band, well, they're not so brand new now, the Nordic Fiddlers Block, and you love the music that you make with them. Yeah, that, again, that was an, a completely, like, for want of a better expression, ear-opening experience, meeting Anders and Olaf and just making music with them. Because I, I first met Anders, actually, after coming to Norway. We met at festivals, and we just really enjoyed each other's company, and we were up late partying and doing music, and we spoke about maybe doing something more seriously together, and he had an idea of having this fiddle trio, and he mentioned Olaf, so we made a decision just to book off a weekend in May 2009 in Voss in Norway. So I made my way there and we spent the whole time just making music and having fun. And we just sort of really clicked with each other, both socially and musically. And we thought, why not organize a tour and see if folk like what we're doing? And we did that in late 2009 in Norway and we got a great, great response. So we thought, let's do some more. And the rest is history. <laughs> and how many albums have you made with them? We've made two and we'll be soon releasing the third album. It's a, it's quite a long process. We have making albums. We try hundreds of different tunes and arrangement ideas. And it can take a while before we're happy with them. And it's not it's not every tune that we come with fits the sound we're trying to get. Um, we have a range of instruments. I just play fiddle, but Anders plays fiddle and viola, and Olaf plays hardanger fiddle and octave fiddle. So we experiment a lot with different settings and seeing what fits that particular tune. So it can be a long process before we are happy enough, to, like before we release a piece of music out to the world. Well, that's really interesting. And uh, 
I, I suppose, as we remarked on earlier, it's, it's next year is the 30th anniversary of the Fiddler's Bid. Now, I have to say the band are one of my favourite ever Scottish bands, and uh, All Dressed in Yellow is just one of the best albums ever. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, and hopefully uh, the band will get together for a couple of gigs in 2021. We're hoping so. We've um, we've not done much the past while, basically because like Chris and Katrina's been busy with various things. I've been busy with Nordic Fiddler's Block. and We've been trying to get material together for a new album, but usually when we meet up, we haven't for a while right enough. It's just reminiscing and we hardly play a note <laughs> and then we, oh no the weekend's over <laughs> but it's still very much in the the hate to get an album's worth of material together and get it out well, well, well here's here's hoping before do you uh, offer teaching everyone what some of the best uh shetland fiddle playing tuition around uh do you offer uh lessons skype lessons or anything like that I do indeed, um, especially in the, the current uh, crisis that's developed around the world. Um, I did quite a lot of lessons. I can't remember when I started, actually, but I've not done so much the past couple of years, mainly, mainly because of my schedule, but uh, I thought I really need to start again. So with this coronavirus outbreak, I've been doing quite a bit. Most days, actually, which is great. And I've actually re been really enjoying getting back into it. I really love teaching and passing on things. I like to be, I remember like Cahill in Boys of the Loch, I, he was one of the most giving musicians I'd ever worked with. And that's kind of rubbed off on me. Because, I mean, there's some musicians that like to hoard things and not let them out. And I want to keep that for myself. Which I understand when you come with a great new tune, you want to kind of release it yourself and get it out. But I'm more, I like just to give things out because I think it's important that good tunes are played or good songs, whatever, is out being sung. Well, of course, and that is how the, that's how we will maintain our tradition as well. If, it, if we keep it to ourselves, then nobody else will know how fabulous it actually is <laughs> exactly and that that's one thing that blew me away with Cahill he's just like a walking archive not only Irish music but also Scottish music and Shetland music he's just like a, a wealth of knowledge about tunes and songs from everywhere and I was just so impressed with how much of a given musician he was or is. <laughs> yeah, that's very, very true. Well, if people want to find out about more about that from you, they can, they can get uh, information at your website, kevinhenderson.co.uk. That's right. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much, Kev. Yes, thanks very much to Kevin Henderson for that really interesting podcast there. Uh, look out, there's going to be lots more coming up and we're uh, going to be talking to many musicians over the next couple of months. See you the next time.